Morning everyone, it is so good to be together today. And I wanted to give us two brief updates, one on sort of where we feel we're going church-wise and what, what we're up to, as well as to pray for some people who aren't well amongst us. And whilst we're in this phase of church life, which sort of feels a bit like church, but it also doesn't, it's not like we are used to, I wanted you to know that we will be ramping up some of the things that we um, are doing and have been doing before in the past, but on online as well. So we're going to start doing some fasts together as a church where we might fast for the day and then have an evening prayer meeting. Uh, we, we're going to start doing some early morning prayer meetings that you can join on with Zoom. We would love to do some communion together and set some different times that we do that. And we're still looking at whether we do the service uh, in different locations in those smaller numbers. So just stay tuned with that. Um, but we do want to continue to be the church as best we can. Because the thing is, we're a family that's on mission. So we're a family and we care for each other. And you've been amazing at that. It's been incredible to see generosity, people dropping off food, the way that we're able to serve the orphanage and the way that we're able to help those in need, the way that people are praying for each other and supporting each other. That's incredible. And then it's also remembering that we are on mission, that God's kingdom is advancing regardless of how we end up being able to do Church. So I believe, and as a team, we believe the next few months are going to be so exciting. So just be prepared and ready and geared up, and we're going to start sending out updates on what we're going to be doing. And the next thing I would love us to do together this morning is to pray for three very special ladies at church who are sick at the moment with cancer. So I just want to read um, very briefly, and we are then going to pray and trust God to bring some astounding healing in their lives. The first one is uh, Janet Markison, and uh, we... Um, it's, uh, cancer has been discovered. The doctors say this is very uh, treatable, but we just want to pray that the ultimate physician completely heals her. Um, then Anna Van Druten, some of you may know, she also um, has at the moment. And just a quick update, uh, she said she's trying to get her next treatment here. It's due in on Tuesday via ACE Ambulance. She had a very good CT scan and blood work results, but we want uh, her to be able to finish the course. More than that, we want to see that cancer gone from her body. And then the last one is for Cheryl uh, Langsmith and she had a very successful operation where she had a number of tumors um, over her body and the large ones were able to get taken out and treated with the surgeons, um, at least what they could see. And then as soon as she heals up, she'll start treatment as well. But we wanna pray for all of those ladies. We wanna pray that the cancer leaves their bodies, that it's absolutely obliterated by the power of God and that they um, are completely healed of it as a result. So I would love you to uh, pray with me as we stand for their healing together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are the ultimate healer. I want to thank you that you are the miracle working God. And for uh, Janet, um, Anna and for Cheryl, we want to pray now for their dramatic and their complete healing. Thank you, God, that uh, in your name, cancer flees by your name. Nothing else that we do, Jesus, just by you and uh, by you, uh, uh, your ultimate power. And so right now, we, we just say in their bodies, um, cancer be gone, healing come, strength to their bodies. Um, if there's anything that they need to be doing in the process, whether it is diet uh, related, whether it is um, exercise, whether it is um, just anything, God, you know. But you're the healer 
And so we say, please bring healing right now. And we look forward to testimonies of your dramatic, miraculous healing. And so cancer be gone by the power of your name. Healing come by the power of your name. And we are expectant and we are excited. We ask that you would surround them, that right now, those three ladies and their families would know your presence in the most powerful way. And we just look forward and we are expectant to what you're going to do. In your amazing name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do now is we are going to sing a few songs. They are going to come up on the screen. Uh, we're excited that these, um, that these songs are really going to draw us and lift us towards the Lord. So whether you are uh, in your um, room by yourself, whether you're in your lounge with a few friends, um, I want to challenge you to whether you want to stand up or sit, but really engage with God as we go into this time of singing together. Awesome, everyone. Uh, how special to be able to sing to the Lord. And uh, I just really wanted to choose those songs today because I felt that they are so specific and key to the series that I want to dive into. And so this series we're going to do together, alternating with Ephesians, and they really do work together. And it's called Storm the Gates. And this is about us as God's people being on His mission during our lives on earth. I'm incredibly excited as I know this is so significant for us as individuals and for us collectively as Harvest Church. And I know that if we grab hold of this, if we grab hold of what God's calling us to, we're going to see growth as people who don't know Jesus come to faith. We're going to see growth in ourselves as we step out to what God has called us to. And it's, it's the most exciting way to live. But here is the kicker. If you are after the safe, comfortable, and easy road faith, or should I rather say that uh, you've been told the lie that it's possible to have a faith like that, this series is going to be a serious re-engineering of heart, soul, and mind. But I can guarantee you it will be worth it. So whatever your preconceived thinking has been about what God's church looks like and what living for Him looks like, um, you sort of need to put that to the back of your mind. And as we dive into Scripture and as we dive into this series, I really trust and pray it's going to be of great significance. So I would love us to read together from Matthew 16. We're going to uh, read from 13 to 18. And this is getting very close to the end of Jesus's ministry and life. And uh, he now talks to his disciples. And this is what he says. Verse uh, 13, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Now we're going to focus on verses 13 to 18 today. 
So the place that we're in, often, um, when we have a specific conversation, can carry greater significance in our lives. What are we talking about? Well, I remember so vividly talking about life and leadership with young teenage men while on a camp, sitting around a campfire with the starry night sky above us. And the conversations we had in that place sort of carried a greater significance than if it was just daytime and we were maybe just sitting around the meal tables. It was just a very different um, place and the conversation felt more powerful. On honeymoon, Sarah and I spent a few nights in Stone Town in Zanzibar. Uh, it's the sort of hub um, of the place and it's a very Islamic area. And what happens is no matter where you stay in Stone Town, the call to worship goes out on the megaphones and on the speakers around the Stone Town city and it's impossible to escape that sound. It's, it's sort of oppressive and you just can't get away from it. It happens early in the morning, it happens in the evening, it's full on. But what was amazing is during the times that we heard it, it sort of sparked conversations in us about God's gospel advance, about reaching the Islamic world for Christ, about how difficult it was to be a Christ follower. And we met some Christ followers in the area and how hard it was to be a Christ follower in and amongst uh, that society that was happening. It added a weightiness to our conversations where we both sort of felt there was a greater richness to what we were talking about because of what was happening around us. You see, Jesus often speaks to us through places that we're in and then what he says has a greater significance. And I believe this is why Jesus chose to have this conversation with his friends in Caesarea Philippi. You see, this city was not just an ordinary city. This city, and he says it right at the beginning, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he now speaks. This city was located about 25 k's north of Galilee, which is obviously the sort of Jewish hub area. So it was located further north, and it was originally called the city of Pan, which is after the Greek god Pan. This god was often worshipped in caves um, where there were streams of water, and this area had a large spring and grotto in the foothills of Mount Hermon. So that's about 25 k's north. And I've got a few pictures and a little bit of a video that uh, are going to come on the screen now as well for you to just get a better idea of what it did look like in the past and some artist impressions and what it actually looks like today. So those are going to show on the screen and then we will continue with a little bit more. So I hope those pictures and the video helped give you a bit more of an idea of where Jesus was when he spoke to his disciples, the place and the surroundings. The location was developed uh, from its original time as a city of Pan under different rulers who built places of worship around the grotto until it was renamed Caesarea Philippi. And this was when Philip the Tetrarch established his capital there. And the reason why he changed the name was number one, to honor Caesar at the time, and number two, to honor himself. So Caesarea Philippi was why he called it that. The area is also known as Benias. Um, or Banias. When you go there today, and if you went there to see the place, that's what it would be called. Um, and that is really an, a name for ancient historical religious worship sites. So 
right there, there was a collection of pagan worship sites and springs, and you can see those ruins in existence today, which you would have seen on the pictures and on the video. Now, pagans believed that water was a symbol of the abyss, where you went when you died, and caves were a door to the underworld. And so it became known, that place there, the grotto with the spring coming out of it, the sort of big cave area, it became known as the gates of Hades or the gates of hell. And that entire area represented the worst evils of the culture of the day. So when Jesus was there with his disciples, they would have felt very uneasy and it represented the most horrific things. It was filled with terrible practices, with idols, with shrines. It was known for human sacrifices in that grotto area. It was a horrific place. And so Jesus chose to have this conversation with his disciples at this very place, in many respects the epicenter of what his disciples would probably say is the, the, the place furthest from the reach of Christ furthest from the advance of his kingdom. And this is what he asked them. So when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? I.e., who do people say that I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Jesus does this often in our lives and he did it there as well. He starts off pretty broad. And he starts to get our attention in a sort of broad manner. So who do people say that I am? And they give various different answers of what they've heard or what people say. This is similar to me saying something like, hey guys, what do people say about that restaurant over there? Or what do people say about that sports team? Or maybe what do um, people say about that particular politician? It's sort of asking something very broad about what other people say. And this is because it's always easier to speak on behalf of someone else, right? It's easier to say what someone else has said rather to put ourselves out there. You see, there isn't any skin in the game yet. We haven't yet offered our personal belief about the question. Because when we add our personal belief, it suddenly carries weight. When we say what we think about a restaurant or about a political party or something like that, it adds a weight because it's our own personal words. And when we do that, it can be challenged. It can be tested. It's open. It's out there for everyone to hear and know and talk about. And so that was pretty easy for the disciples to answer. They could say, oh, Jesus, I heard this person say this and I heard this person say this about you. It was safe. But then Jesus gets direct and he gets personal and he does this with you and he does this with I. He says, but you, talking to his disciples in that place, just imagine standing there with the temples around and with the grotto nearby. He says, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter jumps in and he says, you're the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. So he, he asks this question. We don't know whether Simon Peter was the only one who believed that at the time, but more than likely, Peter was always the one who jumped in first. He was always sort of the first mover and the one who blurted things out. So he probably operated a bit as the spokesperson for the group. We're not exactly sure, but he jumps in and gives his answer. Now, the answer to this question gets right to the heart of what you and I actually believe about Jesus. It's the question he asks each of us directly. It's the question he's asking you right now. Who do you say that I am? And whether you're a Christ follower here today or you're not and you're exploring the Christian faith, he asks you this question. 
This past week, uh, one of my friends gave his life to the Lord, and I'm still absolutely bubbling with joy at him making a decision to follow Jesus. Because his answer to that question has now changed this week, or, or, or last week, it's now changed to say, this is what people said about Jesus, but now this is my answer to Jesus. This is what I believe about Jesus. I now believe that he is who he said he is. He is the son of the living God. And it's so exciting on the back of that to see God who's made him into a new creation, is changing his heart and he's changing his destiny and he's changing uh, what the future is gonna look like. It's absolutely exciting. And so it is vital that you know what your answer is to that question. And now Jesus responds. So uh, Peter's given that answer and he responds and he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Now this word blessed, we need to look at it a little bit deeper because it's something that we all kind of say. We either say sort of, oh God bless you, or if things are going well, maybe financially or maybe just in life in general, we say, oh, I'm blessed. It's amazing. I am blessed. But it can be used so lightly. You know, the real definition, if we get down to it, when we look at scripture and the, the terminology of it, blessed is really a state of well-being in relationship with the Lord that those receive who respond to his ministry. So you can imagine what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Peter, you now have the standing with me because of your response to me. And so your life now is this real state of well-being and peace and joy and purpose. And there is nothing greater than walking according to God's ways. This, this friend of mine, he just said, you know, now I want to restructure all of my life to, to, to be in line with God and His purposes. And that's what being blessed is. It's being in a state of honoring God. He then affirms that his father has ultimately been the one who revealed this to Peter. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. And this should give each of us such a peace who would call ourselves Christ followers to know that it is God who's the one who does the pursuing. God's the one who reaches out to us first. He's the first mover. And then we have an opportunity to respond. And then Jesus gives Peter this amazing promise. And it is something that we all become part of when we become Christ followers. Look what he says there in verse 18. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now I remember going on a rugby camp. We were under 16s at school and we went with the first team down to Triangle Estates. There was a sports club there and we went there for this long-term sort of pre-season training. So it'd all be nice and we were sort of playing individually. What happens is, is the coaches have this great idea that they say, listen guys, we won't do full contact, but I think it will be quite cool if we have the under 16s who sort of play against the first team. So we sort of go there uh, going, well, you know, it's not really going to be full contact and we'll try a bit, uh, but, but let's just see how it goes. So they've given the instructions, listen, you know, obviously the first team are like double your size and uh, we're not going to make them tackle you and everything properly, but, you know, just give it your all as under 16. So as we go down to scrum, and I happened to be the hooker at the time, we had two huge props and I'm quite a small guy, but he had said we want a mobile pack. So as the three of us grow down in the front row and as we bend down against the first team, these guys give us the most wicked grin. And when we see this grin, we just know that we're about to get destroyed, that this wasn't going to be just a soft little bind. They were going to smash into us properly. So we sort of go down 
and we, we, we tried to grin back, but we were really terrified. Uh, sort of tears are beginning to form down the sides of our eyes. Anyway, we, we sort of go down, and these guys smash us, and we absolutely crumble onto the floor. I'm surprised we didn't break our necks. The Lord had more for us to do in life because we, we're still standing today. And those coaches just lambasted us. They were just like, you under 16s are pathetic. They weren't even pushing. You know, they, they're not even trying, and, and you guys are just getting destroyed. Little did they know what they were really doing. But the bottom line is, it was an absolutely unfair contest. We were never, ever going to be able to push up against these guys twice our size. It was just an impossibility. It was never going to happen. That is what it must have sounded like to Peter and the disciples. When Jesus said, you're Peter, and talking to the rest of us as well, and on this rock, there at Mount Hermon, looking around and, and, and talking about this horrific place, going on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, the most horrific things here, are not going to get in the way. They must have felt like this is going to be absolutely impossible, Jesus. They would have sat there going, Jesus, you can't be serious. You mean that there could be a community of Christ followers in a place like this? In a place dedicated to pagan worship, the literal gates of Hades, the place of the God Pan. Jesus, are you serious? Because to us, we know that you're God and you can do miracles, but this feels absolutely impossible. You are sure around Galilee and we know everyone and people are semi-open to God. Yeah, you can do your, your church stuff there, but, but here in this place, surely not God. But Jesus was and he is dead serious. In this terrible place of pagan worship, this place where the streams of water would often have the blood of human sacrifices mingled in as they went down the, the side of Mount Hermon. In this place filled with awful practices, this place that felt absolutely impossible and beyond the reach of Jesus, he declares that I am going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome they may look ominous they may look huge it may look impossible to break through them but it's going to happen the symbolic gates of hell right near where he was speaking would not be too strong for God's transforming power and the advance of the church no work of the enemy would overcome or will overcome what he is about to do and what he is doing and he was going to use Peter he was going to use the disciples and he wants to use people like you and I. What seems impossible, he will make possible. He was saying, I will take responsibility for building my church. He said, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, not your church. I'm going to build my church. I'm going to take responsibility, but I want you, and I've made it in such a way that you are going to be part of the process. I've set it up that way. The question is, are you and I really up for it? Are you and I really up for the mission that he has called us to. You see, it's easy to say that we are, but are we really? Are we prepared to make the sacrifices? Are we prepared to go the distance? Are we prepared to take the hits for the sake of God's church? Friends, a safe place is the last, um, not a safe place, a safe faith is the last place you want to be. It's in fact a pretend faith where we talk about what other people are doing and what God's doing in other places but where we don't get stuck in ourselves. And what Jesus says to you and I today, he says, who do you say that I am? Who do you really say that I am? What do you really believe about me and about my church? Your answer to that will determine who you live for, what you live for, 
and how much you and I are part of his great church. It doesn't mean that you become a pastor at all. It doesn't mean that you drop everything that you're doing. It doesn't mean you stop your day job. It means that you truly believe Jesus is who he said he was and you let that shape your life, your time, your purpose and your mission. You let that shape your day, your family and your future. Friends, let's not shy away. Let's not shrink back. Let's storm the gates of hell. Let's be the ones who in the worst of places, the places that seem absolutely impossible, like what Jesus said to his disciples there, let's take the stand and say, God, we are going to see these gates of hell pushed back as your kingdom advances. And as I close, maybe you've never made a decision to follow Christ. Maybe he's asking you that question today and maybe your heart's beating a little bit harder. Maybe you're just going, gee, I haven't really considered this. And as those words came out of scripture saying, who do you say that I am? You've caught going, I haven't really thought that clearly before, but now that I know. I want you to know that just a few days after Jesus said this to his disciples, after he spoke these words, um, he paid the greatest sacrifice for you and I. In a similar way, that blood flowed through those waters down off that mountain where sacrifices were made to the God Pan in Caesarea Philippi. Jesus' blood flowed from his body, nailed to a cross down a hill called Golgotha, where he gave his life for you and I. And if you would repent, and that means turn 180 degrees, if you would say, I believe that you're God, and I want you to make me a new creation, and I want to give my life to you. I want to put my life in your hands, and I want to make your mission my own. You can do that right now as we pray. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are the God of the impossible. And I want to thank you that you are the God who transforms our lives. You're the one who created us. You're the one who gives us purpose. You're the one who paid the price for our sin that we, we need payment for. You're a just God. And you're the one who says to each of us right now, who do you say that I am? And friends, if right now you, you're in a place and you know that you've never given your life to Christ, Right now, you can, you can say to him, Lord Jesus, I believe. Please change me. Please make me a new creation. Um, I want to follow you with all my heart. And, 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 and just, I want to give everything to you. And in that moment, as you do that, he'll change you. He'll change you from the inside out. And you can do that right now. And maybe for some of you, you're going, I've kind of said that I've believed and I know that I'm a Christ follower. But if I'm honest, God's mission is not really mine. I'm kind of living for myself. Yeah, I read my Bible or yeah, I watch a little bit of church, but it's not really the, the desire of my heart. It's not really the passion of what I do. Right now, you can commit yourself and say, Lord, there might have been a fire back in the day, but it's gone now. And I, I, I ask that you give it to me now. I, I want my destiny to be lined up with you and, and he'll do that as well. So Heavenly Father, whatever camps we're in today, Father, thank you that you are in the business of transforming hearts, transforming families, transforming communities, transforming society. And we want to be in, on your mission. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to say thanks so much for uh, being with us. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or if you've made a decision to recommit your life, please do get in touch with us. We would love to support and serve you as much as we can. Otherwise, get ready for more things we're going to be doing together um, online as we continue to be His church in the city. So thank you so much for tuning in and pray that you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much.